Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome back to Garden Better. I'm Adam Woodhams and with me is my faithful companion, Jenny Dillon. Hi, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> We're gardeners in crime, aren't we? Oh, we certainly are. <laughs> well, stick around, folks, because in this episode, we are going to have a look at everything you need to know about your summer veggie garden. We're going to have a bit of a chat about all the different styles of raised beds and their benefits, and then I'll talk to Mark from Biofilter about a particular type of raised garden bed, wicking beds, which are very in at the moment. I'm going to put one in the summer. Yes, I'm thinking it's going to be the best solution for our place mm-hmm. too. And then, of course, it wouldn't be a show without... Milton Black. He'll be here. Absolutely. So let's get straight into it. It is the height of salad season, Jen, isn't it? Mm-hmm. In the middle of summer, your veggie garden should be really pumping right about now. So how's yours looking? Um, okay. 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 Yeah, the cucumbers are good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I must admit, we haven't really got a veggie garden going at our place yet. We've been so busy with renovations. I've been putting fruit trees in here and there, yeah. but I haven't gotten down to the finer point of the the whole veggie garden. But I do I do love my veggie gardens. I think that they, they're a fantastic addition to just about every home garden. And summer is the time where you get some of the, the beautiful, beautiful things happening. But maintenance is the key, isn't it, Jen, at this time of year? Absolutely. Because if you've got vegetables growing really, really well, you've got weeds growing really, really well as well. That's exactly right. Because most of our vegetables are basically annuals, annuals. whether they be mm. warm or cool season. Yeah. And most of our weeds are annuals. And the condition that your veggies love is yes, the conditions exactly the that weeds love. Yes. So one of the big things, of course, uh, is uh, water. You mm-hmm. need to make sure you're keeping the water up to your veggie garden. Well, with your summer salads, yes, that's they're, they're mostly water, so you've got to give it to them mm-hmm. for them to give mm-hmm. it back to you. Yeah, and one of the simplest ways to do that so you're not wasting water is to make sure you're keeping things mulched. Mm-hmm. And I, I am, as I know you are too, Jen, very keen on uh, loosened mulch and pea straw mulches on veggie gardens because mm-hmm. they're – they have that quick breakdown and they add lots of nitrogen to the soil, which is which is very good for your, for your, for leafy, your leafy plants greens, in particular. Yes. Yeah. So do make sure you're keeping your veggie garden well mulched. If you if you planted pre-spring, which you probably would have done with these summer veggies, you should have mulched at that time and chances are that mulch will be needing a bit of a top yeah, up now. Yeah, it would have so. broken down by now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, the pests, I hate to say, but they're the reality of veggie garden gardening, aren't they, that the, you have to deal with all of those creepy crawlies and sap suckers and all sorts of things. So Yeah, you just gotta get in there and look under the leaves. You know, there's nothing worse than pulling a salad out and having for dinner and then serving it up and there's something else there. Some unexpected protein. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, and it's vigilance really is the main thing with most pests that you, you keep on top of them. You have to go out every day. I mean, you're going to go out every day anyway to crop, yes. to, take your, yeah. to take your fresh uh, salad, fresh and, lettuce. And that's where I, I think social media has a lot to answer for in this respect. That Why? A lot of people have the impression that a veggie garden is something you put in and it turns out perfect and you just go and pluck veggies from it all, no. all the time. You need to give yourself at least 10 minutes a day to go out and check your veggie garden to see anything that's going ripe, to look for any pests, to see if anything needs a bit of water or whatever the case may be. You do need to dedicate some time it's every like day to It's like sweeping the garden. kitchen after you've, you know, at the end of the evening. It's just mm. a little chore. You go out there. It's like it's like going to find the eggs after the chooks have had their day in mm. the garden. Mm. You go out to your veggie patch, have a look around, see what's happening. Just see what's happening, yeah. I mean, anything could happen when you're away for over a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. And But it, it's actually a very nice relaxing daily ritual, I find. Mm. You know, you do just go out and you have a little wander and you can have your frosty beverage of choice in the other hand and mm-hmm. you can be looking for, for grubs and things. And an important one with the grubs because they can be one of the ones that do a lot of damage very quickly they are very good at not getting caught. Mm-hmm. That's why they do so much damage. And you tend to find that they, they, as you mentioned, they hide during the day underneath the leaves or right down at the bottom of stems. And it's not surprising for them to have adopted a colour that's almost the same as the plant they're feeding on. So they can be very, very well camouflaged. They are critters. amazing yeah. at that. It's just so brilliant. generally if you go out a little later in the day, you you will find them starting to get a bit more active because mm-hmm. they often feed at night so or early in the morning. So go out there and, and pick those grubs off. If you've got chooks, you can collect them and throw them to the chooks and the chooks will love you forever. Yeah. Um, or you can do whatever else you want with them. like Squash them. Make them go pop. Oh, yes. <laughs> Salt works on the um, ones that don't have shells. The ones that don't have, yes, yes, yes. this is very true, yes. And uh, look, any chemical treatments you use to take care of these pests and, and uh, other problems, make sure that they are things that are safe for veggies and do look at all the organic options. And one of the best things to do is to be selecting products that have a short withholding period. And this is something you'll find listed on the back of the label They'll, they'll either say there's no withholding period or they'll, they'll tell you the withholding period. Now, what a withholding period is, is the amount of time between spraying and picking. So basically, you obviously don't want to be spraying for pests and then if you need eating that food that night, uh, eating it immediately. No. Exactly. So you want stuff that either has zero or very short withholding periods because that tells you a lot about the the toxicity to mm. us. So, and as I said, look at some of those organic products. They are they are very 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 capable of dealing with even some serious serious pests. Now, if you're a tomato fan, and who isn't really, Jen? I mean, you got to love tomatoes. They're I so do. so easy to grow, I so do. productive. Mm. Um. You can plant some more now. So because chances are if you put plants in as soon as you could, they will be probably cropping very well now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember that was what one of my TAFE lecturers always used to say a million years ago. With tomatoes, if you're getting your first crop off by Christmas, you planted them at the right time. That that was generally the rule of thumb. So over the height of summer is when they should be doing their maximum cropping. But if you want to extend your crop across into the, the periods where we're starting to cool down a little bit, and in a lot of areas you, you can keep picking fruit well into autumn, if not early winter. Well, especially if, you, if you've got a wall against mm, which you're growing a, them. and a that warm gener- warm. Yeah, that will generate heat. Exactly, mm. exactly. So you can get those plants in the ground now 
and you'll have crops of tomatoes for a, for a lot longer. Yeah. As I said, way even way. But I think winter. it's a really important practice actually to to with summer vegetables right from the get go is to to pace your planting so that you don't end up with gluts that you're not going to um, eat. So if you sort of plant lettuces at every two or three week period. You can't freeze a lot of these vegetables. That's that's exactly right. So you succession plant, and that then yeah. that gives you a rolling crop for a longer period. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's you don't need an enormous amount of space to do that. You know, it might just be using lettuce as an example. It might just be two lettuce a couple of weeks apart. So you end up with a total of what you know eight or maybe ten lettuce. So you don't actually need an enormous area for that. No. And that'll give you a rolling crop of lettuce for for months to come. Now there are actually a few things that you can plant now. Um, the important thing, though, if you're planting this stuff, is to make sure you're keeping everything suitably moist because it's very easy for uh, the the soil to dry out and those younger seedlings to dry out at this time of year. So, a few of the things that you could look at planting, and of course, rely on some local knowledge here if you can. Your local nursery can tell you whether it's it's right for your zone or not. But things like dwarf beans are very good to be planting now. A lot of the brassicas, the things that we think of as those winter, winter crops, plants, yeah. yeah, you can start getting them in the ground now and that will get you a earlier crops in winter. So if, you, if you're thinking about that, you can can be getting those uh, things like cabbage and broccoli and Brussels sprouts. Yum! In. Yeah. <laughs> rhubarb crowns are, are a, a fantastic one to get in the ground now if you like rhubarb. Mm-hmm. Um, a bit of a tip though, if you've got any... Silver beet, the coloured silver beet, the what? rainbow chard. What? I know you don't like it. Oh. If you have rainbow chard in the ground and you have, be, um, you have rhubarb in, make sure you put them in separate places because, particularly if you've got kids, because anyone that knows anything about rhubarb knows that the leaves are actually poisonous, poisonous. Yeah. and you don't want a little person going out and making the mistake of picking. Silver beet, or thinking they're picking silver beet, and they're actually picking the just don't beet. plant silver beet. I think oh, <laughs> you really don't like silver I beet, don't. do you, Jen? No. <laughs> so you could also be planting, planting spring onions. One of my absolute favourites, sweet corn. Oh yes, is, is up for planting now. It's mm-hmm. a, a fantastic and and look, silver beet. Put some silver beet in. General, yeah. general, love you. Mm-hmm. She'll come around and help you grow it. <laughs> but look, dude, it's great cha- for the compost. It's I say. Great. Compost accelerator. Yeah, but talk with your local nursery and see what they have coming in in punnets, and uh, that's that's generally your best judge uh, to be able to find out what is the right thing for your area at any given time. Is what your local nursery actually has coming in. So happy planting. Yes, indeed. Go for it. Jen, when people are growing their veggies, mm-hmm. I still reckon one of the best ways to be growing is in raised garden beds. Yep, and. They are such a practical way of growing, not just veggies, because you can grow, you know, perennials and, and flower gardens in, in raised beds, or in fact, virtually anything. In I've got trees beds. in my raised beds. Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. And the, the number of advantages and the styles of raised beds, I think, is worthy of us having a chat about them. Yeah, okay. Well, it takes the back breaking out of gardening for a start. I think that is one of the really big ones. It makes things a lot easier for, for maintenance, for planting, for everything else. And you can, if, if we're thinking of a raised bed, perhaps the easiest one to, to get in your mind is a, is a raised sleeper bed, you know. So, so a, long a, as it's not pine. 
Well, that's we'll we'll get to that in a moment. Okay. We'll talk about the the right type of timber. Thank you very much for reminding me there, Jen. But um, uh, the reason I say they're a good one to think of is because you go up in increments of height. Yes. You know that basically a sleeper is two hundred millimeters, and you know you can have a two hundred mil bed, a four hundred mil bed, a six hundred mil bed. So you can adjust the heights, and the beauty of that is you don't have to bend down as much. Or if you're kneeling, they're at a better height. You're not sort of falling right flat on your face. Or you can sit on the edge of them once you make them a bit higher. So you do have that distinct advantage of being able to work with them. And if people have mobility issues, um, particularly if people are in in wheelchairs or walking frames, whatever the case may be, you can take a bed a little bit higher again and it makes it much easier to actually get around the side of that bed and be able to to work Mm. into it. Um, one thing I do like to to remind people of, though, is that if you're creating a raised bed, particularly with vegetables, something where you do need to be regularly working it, is don't make them too wide. You need to they need to be a comfortable distance that you can reach the center without yes. having to stretch too far. So, mm-hmm. for most people, you're not going to make a bed much wider than about one point two if it's going to be a a, a a typical veggie type bed, and that's then comfortable for you to stretch across into the centre yeah. without without too much effort. Um, you might be able to go a bit wider, but you know, personal preference. Now, the other thing too, of course, is that you're creating a situation where you have a lot more control over the growing conditions of your plants. You well, know. you you're putting it in a position where the light is perfect for it. Mm. You can even actually um maintain greater control over your soil because you, most of the time you'd have to bring it in yeah and you have got the soil it's perfect for your veggies mm. and and you also uh, the the way you can save water with them or you can manage the water a lot better so you know if you're growing in the ground you have to apply the water and then apart from that it's whatever the soil is actually doing at the time so you might have soil that's staying damp for too long mm-hmm. which you don't necessarily want whereas you can tend to avoid that with a raised bed because of the fact that it's going to have that drainage. drainage. So excess excess moisture is going to drop out of there. But so there's a few a few distinct advantages there. Now we mentioned the sleepers. The important thing is that treated pine is fantastic stuff in the landscape. Um, it works really well. It's very easy to work with with the most basic tools. But if you are doing anything where you can physically contact the sleepers or the sleepers are in contact with anything such as food plants, do not use CCA-treated pine. So that's copper chrome arsenic treated. You need to use what's called safe pine. So that's things like ACQ or micronized copper. These are safer product, micronized iron, I should say. These are safer products rather than the the, the copper chrome arsenic type products. Now, yeah, because the arsenic leaches into the arsenic does leach. Um, and in fact, even in kids' playgrounds and things and, and handrails and decks, uh, you'll find now that, that every, all the companies are switching over to using ACQ pine in, uh, in particular as being the alternative as, as the much safer option. So make sure you do use the right pine. Don't use treated pine, CCA treated pine. You can use that, uh, as I said, safe treated pine. Now, another type of raised planter bed is a raised box, a raised planter box. And this is one I've, I've actually have a video of on my YouTube channel, um, which is where effectively you create a, a raised garden bed, but a base underneath it, and you put it on stilts is what it comes down to. And that way you're creating a bed at a much 
better height for working with so you can put it right up at hip height you know mm-hmm. like like the way you would have a workbench and when you create something like that um, normally when I build something like that I'll, I'll dress the outside so it looks like from top to bottom it's the same thing but reality is underneath it will be it will be hollow it'll be open because you really only need um, you know three or four hundred mil of soil for yeah. your for your plants to grow in because that's all that veggies really need for for that active root zone so but also if you didn't want to enclose that, um, base couldn't you use that for storage? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, the space underneath is is ideal for storage. You can um, like you might just enclose the side and the back, and then you can have the rest of it there for sticking you can things. Have a dog like- kennel. <laughs> <laughs> to, to keep guard on your veggie patch to make yes. sure nobody's stealing your veggie. <laughs> no, you can, you know, all your all your punnets and trays and pots yeah. and all those sort of things. So just the black snakes and the redbacks and everything, yep. they can all go in underneath there. Yeah. Mm. Perfect. <laughs> now, a twist, of course, on raised bed is aquaponics. Do you know much about aquaponics, Jen? A little bit, um, but as I said before, I'm – this summer I'm putting in a, a wicking bed. Mm, mm. Yes. Well, we're going to have a chat with uh, with Mark from Biofilter about wicking beds, but that, that's where you get into some of these areas. The wicking beds are very popular with uh, the permaculture specialists. That's one of their things, and they build the beds from scratch. Mm. And aquaponics is a growing area as well. And basically what you have with aquaponics is a situation of a pond uh, which may contain Oh, it could be yabbies, it could be edible fish of your choosing, or it could just be koi. And then the pump for that pond is connected to uh, a garden bed that is basically a growing medium. So it'll be a gravel or a particular volcanic rock, things like that. Scoria? Uh, scoria is often used. Mm-hmm. Um, and you run the water from the pond into this bed and it floods full and then has a special mechanism. So then it drains itself empty. So it constantly fills up, drains, fills up, drains. So it's sort of like a hydroponic bed. But what it's doing is using the water from the pond, which is very nutrient rich from all the creatures that are living in your pond. And that then fertilizes your vegetables or herbs. The water, when it flows back out, is then very purified. So it works as a filter for the pond. It's a so good idea, it's, isn't it's it? It's a very, very clever system and it basically creates this closed loop. And particularly now that there's extremely good um, uh, solar-powered pumps out there with battery backups, mm-hmm. you can actually run the whole thing independent of, of power supply. So at the end of it all, Jen, there's a lot of different options with raised garden beds. And I think they're all fantastic. One of the most in type of raised beds at the moment are wicking beds. So let's talk with someone who can give us the lowdown on what they are and how they work and why you really, really, really want one. You just might not know it yet. <laughs> Welcome, Mark Noyce from Biofilter. Hi, Adam. How are you going? I'm fantastic, mate. Thank you very much for joining us. Now, first off, how about you fill us in a little on Biofilter and what it is that your company does? Well, essentially, Biofilter designs and manufactures products that make gardening easy, easier than they've ever been before. We design wicking beds that self-water and uh, last a long time, and we make them from recycled, sustainable materials. 
Yeah, which is, I mean, that's that's a very important thing now that uh, often we get products that talk about sustainability, but they don't actually go right back to that point of origin, do they? And that's that's an important uh, point of difference with the biofilter product that you account for that sustainability for a lot of the steps through the actual manufacturing process. Now, look, a wicking bed, often when people ask me about them, I, it can be a wee bit difficult to explain. And I... I pointed out as being kind of like a a giant self-watering pot, that, but it's a little bit more technical than that, isn't it? And how do the products actually work and how in particular do your biofilter products work? Well, you're not far off. A self-watering pot plant, everyone knows what a self-watering pot plant is. It has a reservoir at the bottom uh, and, it, and it has an ability to suck water up uh, through little soil cones. And that's what we've done only on a much bigger scale with our, our products. And we can hold over 110 litres worth of water in each one of our square metre modules uh, that we make. Uh, And they're a bit like a Lego brick. You can connect them together uh, and then they self-water for weeks at a time uh, through what we call capillary action, which is the way trees suck water up out of the ground. Mm. And that's that's an interesting thing too, isn't it? Because you know, if we all go back to high school, that's one of the basic principles we all learn is that oh yes, water or only ever runs downhill. But reality is, it does defy gravity at times, doesn't it? Well, have you ever put tissue paper in water and watch it travel upwards? Yes, well, that's, that's capillary action right there. Yes, fibrous, a fibrous nature of a material sucking water up against gravity. And that's how that's the very basic thing that we take advantage of with our self-watering wicking garden beds. And and then that of course is amplified by the plants exerting effectively what is suction pressure to to increase that, that upright that upright upward movement. Yeah. Now look from a from a sustainable perspective, what are the benefits of a wicking bed over a conventional raised bed? Because we've just been talking about all sorts of different raised garden beds. So what are the advantages of a wicking bed over a more traditional raised garden bed? Raised garden beds have got us to where we are today after 10,000 years of agriculture. So, you know, traditional uh, garden beds uh, have been fantastic, but they're very weed intensive uh, and they use a lot of water. So you pour the water on and it, and it flows into through the soil into, into the ground below. And when it gets hot, uh, that top 150, 200 millimetres can dry out very, very quickly. Mm. And so if you're not out there keeping up with that, the water demand for the plant, what happens is that the plants get water stress. They release a hormone that says, hey, I'm not going to be around much longer. I better go to seed. And then your veggies bolt. Mm. Okay. So a wicking garden bed keeps that moisture up to the plant all the time that there's water in the reservoir. And that just keeps things optimal for the best growth for your veggies. And, and of course, you, you're going to end up with a lot uh, less evaporation because instead of watering the, you know, all of the soil, the moisture being available from the top down, it's being available from the bottom up. The bottom so, up. That's so right. Therefore, it, it has to travel through the soil before it even reaches a point of evaporation. That's right. So our wicking beds have essentially a dry crust on the top so that – that uh, cuts off uh, losses from evapotranspiration. We're using about 60% less water than a traditional raised garden bed with our wicking system. And better still, what rainfall does fall on the garden bed, it's captured in its own reservoir. So mm. they can, you don't actually lose any water, any of that precious stormwater or rainwater that we get. 
Yeah, and that's that's where it's sort of worth explaining a little bit how the wicking bed works. It basically has that reservoir down the bottom that has an overflow point so that the bed doesn't just completely fill up and flood if you get a lot of rain, that basically it will fill up, it will fill the reservoir, right. and then when it hits that overflow point, it will actually run out so you don't end up with too much water in the bed. So it's a, it's a very intelligently balanced system the way it works. Now, if somebody, for instance, was looking at getting into food gardening for the first time, would you see a wicking type product as being one of the the better options for them to use as their first venture in into that area? Sometimes I think uh, our system is gardening for dummies. Yeah, right? <laughs> you, you just can't get it wrong. You can't overwater these uh, these garden beds, and hey, if you forget about it for a few days, well, you know what? It's just watering itself for, in our case, a couple of weeks at a time. Yeah, uh, in between fills, so you really can't go wrong. Uh, it is the most foolproof way of growing anything. And that's that's a really interesting point. I I must admit I do get a bit cranky with some in my industry who portray veggie gardening as something you just you know put some plants in and then come back and you have this wonderful crop a little bit afterwards. You know, the reality is you've, you've got to give it, you know, particularly in warm weather, you've got to give it 20 minutes or half an hour every day to make sure everything's got the water it needs and, and be looking out for pests and all that sort of thing. So, you know, to have that advantage of not having to water and particularly when water is, is you know, the topic of the day for so many of us around yeah. the country to uh, to have an opportunity, as you said, 60% saving is, is enormous to be able to- it is to save that amount of water and still reliably be able to grow your plants um, because it's not just it's not just veggies either people could be growing their you know um, smaller shrubs and things in these these beds yes. too couldn't they absolutely and your plants don't know that you're going to be home at 4 30 they're getting water stressed at three o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> when it's peak. You know, they can't hang on they can't hang on to, to wait for Adam to come home and water them they're going they've gone water stress release. I'm going to die. Yeah. Uh, yeah. See you later. Yeah. That's and the wicking bed stops that. The wicking, wicking bed really prevents that from happening. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, it, one thing I find interesting is initially when you released your range, it was very much the classic corrugated iron garden bed that was that yeah. was tailored particularly for the veggie growers and now you have introduced a fantastic range it's all really suitable for apartment dwellers for for people with courtyards people with small spaces you yeah. could effectively make a green wall of veggies out of out of this stuff or or you know virtually any other plants it could be flowering annuals if you so wished and i i think that's fantastic that you've started to create these solutions for different situations and one thing I have to give you full full points on is I've written about this many times that people buy these beautiful big pots and then they fill them up with an enormous amount of potting mix and they put a big plant in it then they wonder why the corner of their their deck starts sagging because they've got half a ton of plants and and pots standing on the corner and you Absolutely. have you, you have some very good advice for people on calculating the amount of load that they're putting on their their deck or their their area and making sure that they're not overloading a given spot which is it's um well done for doing that because it does it does get forgotten but yeah those solutions you have for apartment dwellers do you want to just walk us through those a little bit yeah we've got a stepped version of our uh, a smaller version of our uh, what we call a food wall uh, that can be vertical, two stacks high, doubling your, you know, effectively doubling your space. Uh, and we've got it in a step version, and they can all be connected together in, in, a, in an array, in a module. Uh, for balconies, we don't like them 
against the balcony wall because they, they can be a climbing hazard. We mm. don't like we don't want to be uh, responsible for anybody uh, having young visitors uh, climb up and then over the balcony. So they've got to be placed appropriately. There's a big warning on any of our any of our product uh, product there for that. Plus the weight. Um, but for balconies, you know, a lightweight solution is what you want, and you want something in uh, that can cope with the with the water and cope with the temperature and cli- uh, changing mm. climate. And these little uh, planters uh, do that quite well. Yeah. Now, is there anything complicated about how someone would set up a, a wicking bed? They don't. Do they need a particular soil, or can they just use a, a standard potting mix or a mix from their landscaper? How do you how do you go about st- setting things up? Well, with our our food cube system, for example, all you need is the potting mix that you're going to grow your your veggies or your plants in. You don't need rock, you don't need scurry, you don't need mm-hmm. builder's plastic, ag lines, any of that stuff. All you need is your growing media. And that growing media needs to be really fibrous. You know, we've got coir and coconut husk and, and uh, scoria in our, in our mix that we make, mm-hmm. uh, but there's others out there. There's others out there that uh, do a very good job. Anything that's um, designed for a terracotta pot, for example, um, will have very good water holding and wicking uh, capabilities, we've found. So there's some really good products out there as well. Uh, We make one ourselves just because we wanted to make sure that we get a great result. But there's others out there that do good. If you buy just a general potting mix, uh, be careful because that can slump uh, Mm -hmm. and it can uh, close down the air air void ratio of the potting mix. And it can effectively suffocate your plants if it's going to be sitting in water for a while. Uh, so you've got to be careful about those sort of things. And sand, if you just put a dirt in there, you know, it won't have that fibrous um, capacity to to wick the water up like the remember the dishcloth in the water type of thing. Yeah. So basically, a, a premium potting mix is is what folks should be looking to using. Or absolutely. Or, or, or if they're doing a, a larger bed, than a premium mix from their landscape supplier. Now, when you're watering it, do you water? onto the surface of the soil or do you actually fill the reservoir and let it work from there? When you get seedlings, uh, we recommend that you water them in uh, from the top so that they don't have that shock uh, when you first plant. Uh, And what then happens is, uh, you know, you set your water level because our our wicking systems have a variable water height setting. So you can raise and lower the water to suit um, either summer or when you've got your seedlings so you can raise that up and get that get that really quite moist, quite saturated, and then let the uh, plants establish, and then uh, uh, filling as normal is from the um, the corner posts uh, into the reservoir directly, mm. not from the top. So yep. it cuts down 80 percent of your time standing out there with a hose, wondering uh, you know when you, when you're going to get bitten by mosquitoes. <laughs> well, you know you don't have to worry about that. You you race out there, fill it up with your with your hose. Off you go, have a cup of coffee. Yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. And what are your top tips for folks to get the most from a wicking bed? Well, get a really good potting mix. Get a really mm. good potting mix that's going to do the job. Spend a bit more on on that, uh, and in, invest in some uh, some good quality uh, mix like that. Position them well so that they they get good access to sun, mm-hmm. uh, and you're going to get the most out of your veggies. And buy a really good. Uh, uh, wicking bed product, and and I could probably name one or two of those. But. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, thank you, Mark Noyce from Biofilter. I reckon you've introduced a lot of folks to a fantastic gardening option that they just may not have known existed. Now, to find out more about Mark's products, you can visit Biofilter. That's B I O F I L T A dot com dot au. 
Thank you, Mark. Gardening by the Moon with Milton Black. Hi, Milton. How are things going? Oh, very well, Jen. I suppose everybody's getting ready for the big Australian day coming up soon. And, yeah. the next. Mm-hmm. and of course, uh, everyone's still on holiday or a lot are on holiday. And the poor old garden's been neglected here to a certain degree. And uh, Or they've got the neighbours watering and uh, looking after the garden or the, the kids that haven't gone on holiday, which is a good thing, I suppose. But uh, there's still, you know, little things you can do too. I mean, you can, don't forget those indoor plants. You know, they need a little bit of a water too and a little bit of a feed. So I think you'll find, and the hanging baskets. And uh, look, a good little tip here too, you know, if you're going on holidays, which is a good thing, you can put the bottles upside down, you know, they're mm, sort of water yeah. bottles. So it's or better still, go into your uh, ice box, pull out a pile of ice cubes and lay them on the oil surface if you're going away for a few days. And that'll keep them sort of, uh, well, keep the potting mixture fairly moist while you're away. So fill them up with ice cubes. The ice cubes don't freeze the roots or anything like this, but it does drip that water down mm-hmm. and gives them a little bit of a feed. So ice cubes are very good for the garden. So the moon enters Capricorn on Wednesday at three o'clock. Now, that's a good afternoon. It'll be getting a little bit cooler, about a three, going into a four, and uh, still warm, though, but an ideal time to do a little bit of gardening. Now, of course, you don't do any planting over this week because what you've got to do uh, is do everything to save your garden from the bugs and also from uh, getting uh, the mites and things like that. So spray, fertilise, weed, do all your maintenance running right through until the 24th. Mm-hmm. So no gardening as far as planting goes. It's only really sitting down and uh, and doing those little jobs in the garden. Now, there's a new moon, Saturday the 25th. And, of course, on the 26th, which is the big day, uh, the moon's in Aquarius, so you don't do any gardening that day. You can sit back and have your coffee or your beer or your glass of wine and do whatever you've got to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, and get prepared for Monday, the 27th, because the moon actually moves into Pisces, which is a very fertile sign. And, of course, the, on the 27th and the 28th and up to 10 o'clock in the evening on the 29th, those are fabulous days for above-ground uh, crops. So you can uh, plant anything that you want to plant that grows above the ground. You know, um, your, your cauliflowers you can put in your hickory, your endives, you can put your, uh, your lettuce and your marrows, uh, uh, anything that grows above the ground. And uh, don't forget your sweet corn, too, should be starting to look pretty good at the moment. Yep. And uh, sweet corn needs a little bit of uh, fertilising and, and spraying. So that period from the 20th to the 24th, excellent there for a little bit of extra zap into your sweet corn to, to get it cracking. And some of them will be starting to pick corn there around that uh, period of um, uh, the, the latter um, cycle of, of, the, uh, of the month. So anything above the ground crops, especially from the 26th up, up until the moon enters into Aries, 10 o'clock on the 29th. Now, on the 30th and 31st, um, just a little bit of watering and fiddling around. Um, but on Saturday... Uh, which is a good uh, period there. Uh, that's on Saturday, the 1st of February. Uh, moon's in Taurus in the morning. Any above-ground crops can be planted during that particular cycle, so it's a, it's a good cycle there for um, above-ground crops. And you can't plant anything on Sunday because it's the... Um, 
uh, first quarter of the moon in Taurus and the moon square with the sun, so it's a no-no day. So you've really only got, for the weekend and the uh, beginning of February, the first above-ground crops there. But um, uh, I think you'll probably find two tomatoes over this particular cycle. It's a, a very good cycle for, for actually um, cultivating there during the 20th and the 24th. So your tomatoes should be looking still pretty good during that period. So start picking them during that cycle uh, when the moon's uh, in its low form. But um, apart from that, it seems to be a, a bit of a holiday period for most yeah, people. And not I think working us hard at all. Day, yeah, and with Australia Day coming up, it's good. But, um, um, you know, it's it's funny, but my neighbour mm -hmm. has been waking up quite regularly lately with hundreds of flowers with no heads on all over a doorstep over the garden and the drive. And you know what? What's been she happening? thinks she's been stalked. Oh. <laughs> Excellent. I'll see you next week there, okay. Take care. Well, thanks for joining us, folks. And Jen, thanks again for another great show. I've had a blast. So have I. So I always enjoy these times with you, Adam. Yeah. They're great. <laughs> oh, thanks. Don't forget to hit that big old subscribe button. And if you want to make it easy for other gardeners to find us, don't forget to rate and review the program. And if you've got any questions you want answered, then in the show notes, you'll find our email address. So just drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Also, people can see what you look like. If they go to YouTube, search your name and find all your helpful videos. They can. Thank you, Jen. That's quite all right. <laughs> See you next time. See you next time, guys. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.